What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Big Bike BMX. My name is Isaac. I'm running the show solo tonight because Craig's got some family stuff to drive around, some friends. So uh, I'm just going to jump right into it. I, I'm i going to tell you how, how this interview came about. I, uh, being a BMX nerd, um, I saw a uh, a friend's suggestion on Facebook, and it was tonight's guest, uh, Steve Guyberson. And I was like, I know that name, add friend. Um, and Steve friend to be back. And immediately, I think I saw a URL for a website that I went and looked up and I saw an online store with a lot of photos. And my one of my favorite all-time, all-around BMX riders, Pete Augustin, uh, doing a handstand, like just doing that that backwards roll handstand. Um, and it's just, it's a great, it's, you know what? No, I'm not going to grab it because I'm, I'm going to keep this going, but I'll put it up on screen. I actually made a video about it so you can look down in the channel and find the unboxing of that picture. It's a fantastic picture. Uh, and so I, I've just been talking to Steve a little bit here and there saying, Hey man, please come on the show when you have time. And so he's got time. So tonight we are interviewing the photo journalist, the historian, uh, content creator, Steve Guyberson. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks. I appreciate it. Dude, uh, so we've been talking a little bit before we we uh, started the show. Um, give give just like a a like the LinkedIn background of because I know there's probably a thousand people right now going, I know that name. How do I know that name? Is you know what I mean? Or they're just looking, tuning in. They're like, that guy looks like Lou. Is that Lou? So yeah. uh, tell us tell us your history. Who the, who the heck is this guy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I I was. Uh, Grew up in Riverside, California, and back then, uh, a lot of my friends and I were into motocross, and actually, the high school that I went to had a high school motocross team. Really? That, which, that yeah, all four years. Uh, what what year did you graduate high school? What years were these? 78, so 74 through 78. Man. But uh, yeah, every Friday, well, not every Friday night, but there was a season at Corona Raceway, and we, uh, Friday nights. Everybody would go out there. There'd be schools from all over the place, and uh, it was pretty fun. What was it like going to high school at Ridgemont High? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a, that's a little bit of what it was like. Yeah, uh, yeah, North High and Riverside. So the problem I had was my mom was an RN in an emergency room. Her and motorcycles were not even close to on the same page. So uh, BMX was kind of the substitute for me. And I, I mean, I, I go back to the era where stingrays and coaster brakes and, uh, you know, I, I went through all that. Uh, first race was at a track that Kevin McNeil ran. And it's just like this vacant lot track, you know, that he built up. And I think we had rubber band starts and a mud hole. And uh, it, was, it was pretty fun. But the, the problem I had there was, hey, mom, can I go to this race? No. Hey, dad, will you take me out to this race? Oh, yeah, let's go. <laughs> and I got I got both of us in trouble. So um, it happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you know, it, he would occasionally take me out to to races in in the Riverside area, and even even I think we got out to Norwalk. And you know, while I still didn't have a driver's license and couldn't get around, um, you know, he would take me to races occasionally. So right, right. L- later on, um, you know, when I started kind of more in earnest, uh, it was probably. 78, probably 76, 77, 78. Um, 
you know, just went from local racing to, uh, you know, started racing some nationals and, uh, you know, got, got to where I was doing pretty good and ended up, I actually rode for SE racing for a while. I nice. had a, had a couple bike shop rides, uh, Rick's bicycle city in Fontana was one also, um, used to hang out with the guys from RRS. I didn't officially ride for them, but, right. um, you know, went to a lot of races with those guys. Yeah. He, he was awesome. He set me up on a mongoose and, uh, I actually won a, a national up in Tacoma riding a mongoose, went to the next race and asked the team manager, Hey, do you guys still have that contingency for, you know, winning trophy dashes? Uh, yeah. And Jeff Cosmala was there and he's like, what did you win? And I said, well, I, I won that race, you know, last week. And he, he was kind of embarrassed, I think, but, um, it was, it was pretty funny. That's so but, funny. Um, and I, you know, a little bit, I feel like Forrest Gump where, you know, he kind of goes through history and meets people that, you, you know, are influential or, or, um, you know, famous along the way. Um, just out of high school, I used to work for Malcolm Smith. So, you know, growing up, I had seen on any, the movie on any Sunday a, about a million times and to work from Malcolm was pretty amazing. So, dude, that, <laughs> dude, I can't imagine what that was like having your, that's your first job. <laughs> like that's, yeah, that's well, this it, is what working's like. <laughs> cool. The, the, the funniest part of it was, um, you know, it's picking orders in the warehouse. Um, you know, the, he had Malcolm Smith racing products. So it was shopping carts with handlebars mounted to them and skateboards. Yeah. So during the day, that's my training program. I'm just pushing a shopping cart and picking orders and filling this thing up and wrestling it around. And then I'd go race at night. So, Dude, that's incredible. What a fun way to make a living. Yeah. And back then it was, you know, SoCal where you could race four or five nights a week if you wanted to. So it was pretty fun. Did you have a favorite track back then? Ooh, uh Corona was my local track, so yeah, I'd, I'd probably have to go for that. I'll come back to that question after. Like, as a grown up, did you have a favorite? Um, and not just for the lighting, you know, what I mean? <laughs> right? Um, well, yeah, Corona was terrible as as a Friday night track. Yeah, it was horrible out there. You know, um, during the nationals, they'd have cars park along the sides. You know, if it ran too long. They'd park cars along the sides and have them throw the headlights on and try and light it up. So <laughs> it's so old school. Um, all right. So so carry on. Like when so right now you're you're right out of high school. Were you already interested in like photography? Because like I feel like that's a really especially back in that in that era, what a hard hobby and expensive hobby to be involved. Yeah, it it was it was not easy to get involved in it. Uh, at that point, I I was still thinking, hey, I'm doing okay in racing. While I was still working for Malcolm, uh, I actually got picked up by uh, SE Racing. Yeah. So rode rode for Scott back in the day, and uh, it was right after Stu had left the team. So you know, I I think I went to a local race and had some guy ask me, hey, are, are you Stu's replacement? No, I'm not Stu's replacement. You know, I'm nowhere near <laughs> Stu's replacement. But it, <laughs> no it, it was just kind of. It was just kind of funny timing, yeah. Yeah. What bike? Did, what bike did you ride? PK. A PK. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Right I never. I I never tried a quad, and um, you know, Rod Beckering was on it, and he was more than happy with it. So I was happy to to stay on the 
the PK. PK. Yep. Love that. How long, so, how long did you write for SE? Oh, probably three or four years. Um, you know, I, you were asking if, if I was interested in photography at, at that point. Yeah, I was still, I was thinking I'm going to be the next red hot racer out there. Yeah. And, um, had, you know, not long after I got on SE, I broke a wrist and, um, that was kind of a big setback. The The doctor in the ER didn't do such a great job of setting that one. And it, <laughs> yeah. it, it it's, it's still crooked. Oh, no. and then, oh yeah. And, um, it, it looks customized, you know, you don't, I don't think you see it, you know, initially, but if, if I point it out, yeah, it's, it's not too hard to miss. Um, and then after that, you know, it was, it was on this side, you can, well, Oh yeah. You can see. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's cut. It's customized. Yeah. Um, that, that, that side was never as strong again. Right. So I, every time this hand had come off, you know, if I'm tangling with somebody, I would go that way. And then I started pounding my collarbone into the ground. Right. I broke that. I broke that thing seven times before I started looking for a substitute. And I, I was going to motocross nationals and like, Hey, you know, I see these spots that really cool looking and, you know, it'd be neat to shoot photos. And th- that's really kind of how I got into it. So, you know, bought a camera and started just shooting some local races and things like that. And that, you know, this was, I was still uh, racing and then went up to a national at Grass Valley and had, I'd been contributing a little bit uh, to BMXA already or back then bicycle motocross action. Right. Right. um, You know, full spelled out way. Um, And Bob Osborne was asking me about a guy that he was thinking for hiring as at a, you know, in a darkroom spot at the magazine, I went, well, you know, I, I don't know much about that guy, but that sounds like a cool job. I'd, I'd be into doing something like that. And that's kind of how I ended up over at BMXA. Dude, so, that's crazy. Yeah, it was, it was pretty fun. <laughs> I, I'm just thinking of like all the money you save at that point. Now you're like, okay, now there's a dark room here. Probably like you probably have some type of film allowance or something. I'm hoping. Um, no, not at not at that point. Oh my gosh, dude! No way. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was still out of pocket. And I, I yeah. mean, back in those days, it was if you're shooting slide film, it was probably by the time you did film and processing, it was about twenty bucks a roll. So for thirty six photos. Oh, dude! You, I, you, I, I just as a normal person, dude, I can tell you, like, I I rode <laughs> I rode bikes from. 80 to 91 and i have two like two rolls of film that i saved up money <laughs> i saved up money to to buy the film um some some dude that like lived in my apartments is like i i'm a photographer i'll take the photos so it was like i saved up for like a long time for the the money to get it developed and to buy like the roll of film like i think i bought two rolls of film each time and dude, yeah, I remember it was like such a big deal. Like, mom, can we go by the photo mat and see if my photos are done? And then you get them and you're just like, and I, I still have like a photo book of some of them. And, and I just look at them like, bro, I think you just had an Insta, like an Instamax camera is what it was. 
And you probably were just trying to like be nice to my mom or like ask her out on a date or something. Cause these <laughs> are not, these are not, <laughs> everything is just this. There's no angle, bro. It is just straight on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I I remember way back as a kid, I I took an instamatic out to, I think Ontario motor speedway and, you know, shooting photos of indie cars out there. So Dude, yes, I love it's that. Pretty, pretty funny. Uh, so when you, when you started working at BMXA and you, like you, you're, I mean, would you say that's like the intern? I don't know how you, how you try and like relate it to what kind it is today. Of, yeah. Um, it was running errands, you know, Oz would bounce, I, you know, ideas off me for things, um, you know, it helped photo pics, uh, work on, you know, processing black and white film, you know, color always went to a lab. So you know, didn't have to worry about that, but right. uh, processing and printing black and white prints, uh, learned how to do all that with, with them. Um, yeah. It, the warehouse needed sweeping, do that. If we needed right. to ship back in the day when they were shipping magazines out of the back of the warehouse, uh, you know, I would box up magazines. So, Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you probably went through like all the, the, like the mail that we would send into, you probably were like, you'd see that stuff, right? Like that's cool. Uh, I mean, later on, I think I, you know, like for Dear Wiz, I would open up all the mail and pick out the good ones and pass those along to, to Oz. So, yeah. But um, yeah, you know, it just, it kind of was gradually add on and on and, you know, learn things as I'm going. Yeah. Um. You know, they wanted to make a change at editor at one point, and you know, I all of a sudden I get quizzed a lot on, hey, if you want, if you were the editor, what would you do? You know, so there was a lot of that. Um, and then once you know, I got kind of formally moved into that spot. You know, it felt like a four-year college education and probably six months. You know, right. I, I remember spending all weekend working on a story and, and, you know, it, not to make it sound like it's too old, but I mean, originally I was longhand writing these things out and then typing it in. And then we got some of the, probably the first laptop or, or portables. And it was this, these K pro computers that were, it was like an MS DOS thing with a little tiny Amber screen. And, you know, you had to load, there, there wasn't any memory on it. So you're loading the operating system on it with a floppy disk every time you, you fire the thing up. But I mean, at that point, we're we're way ahead of the curve. You know, we're not typing them out longhand. You can, you know, you can use arrow keys to cursor around on the screen and and uh, change typos and or fix typos and, right. you know, change your sentence without having to retype the thing. So it was, it was kind of a cool time to be there. Dude, yeah, I mean, I, I I just have like random questions, dude. Like, did you at the time? Did you know the impact that like those magazines had on on like us kids that read them? Did you have? Did were you getting that feedback? Did you realize like the the legacy that would that would leave? Well, you know, I was I was one of those kids. You know, I I would do the long ride from Riverside to Fontana to go to Rick's bicycle city just to see if they had the, the new magazine in, right. you know, and I knew roughly when it was supposed to show up, but that was, that was a long haul to, to go do that. Um, 
Yeah. You know, originally I found a copy of the first issue of, of Bicycle Motocross Action on the newsstand in the Greyhound bus station in Riverside. <laughs> and I, I was so freaking blown away that there's a magazine, not, you know, that there's a, a magazine out there and okay. it's talking to me, you know, it, it was pretty cool. So, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, 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 I got the impact for sure. Cause like I said, I was one of those kids, but you know, even when I was working there, the questions that people would send in the, the comments you would get, you know, it was a month between issues. So everybody's just reading every little detail that they can get out of these things. And if you had something wrong, you heard about it. Oh, I'm you sure. Know, so so you, <laughs> you, you didn't want to make any of those mistakes and, you know, or say the wrong thing or, you know, miss ID somebody or because right. you were you were definitely going to hear about it. Yeah. I mean, that's dude. if you go on BMX Museum today or go on any BMX forum, it nothing's changed. We are still the same group of people that we mm-hmm. love correcting in, in general. And now the age we're at, we love it even more. Like, yeah. 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 I'm, I mean, any special interest group. It's funny because I, you know, I always say or hear people say in this industry, no, it, it's like that for, you know, if you're in motocross, supercross, if you're in mountain bikes, BMX, it it's all the same. Everybody's that into it. Right. You know, the people that the people that are into it are into it. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's it's like uh I mean, we look at I look at it, the more I look back and think about like the that that decade. Um, dude, yeah, it was like our it was like a a, a like our Bible, our cult or whatever, you know, like we definitely live by it. And it's so it's so funny to to think about like the production time, say on the magazine, right? So like something happens and then you know you have maybe two months in the future <laughs> two months yeah, later is when you're going to read about it, it was, you know it was about three months yeah i mean really it, it when we're doing december issues it was always in about august so i mean you're you're wanting to write about to, hey look in your christmas tree for you know your <laughs> next bmx frame and it, you're hot and sweaty, right? Typing this stuff in the office, you know. Right? <laughs> so, yeah, it's 102, and you're wearing the Life's a Beach T-shirt. You know? Yeah, I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, so but I mean, it, it was just a. I don't think you could ever have that again. You know, and now it's the internet, and you know, it's it's instant gratification, and you know, you see it on your phone before you, you know, <laughs> it's not going to wait for th- two or three months or a week no, or con- a minute. Content or, is 24 seven. Or a minute. Yeah. It's a, and it's a fire hose all the time. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember, cause you think about like the, the VHS stuff, even like you, if you think about the, pro, the progression, right. So handwritten long form, then, you know, okay, now we're typing, you know, now we're over here doing like, you know, whatever. I, I forget the program back then. I I jumped to InDesign, right. Or something like that. Right. But before that there was. Oh, Quark. Quark and, yeah. yeah. Quark. Okay. Yeah. So, and so this, this is years before any of that. So right, yeah, you're probably just like I, I just can't imagine how that that happened in the process of it. Um, yeah, there was a full there was a full art department there. It's all pasted up on on uh, boards with you know they'd use a, a waxer to the type would get sent out, come back. Uh, you know they'd wax it. Get, that's what sticks it to the page. So um, right, yeah, it was that, it was pretty interesting. That's the fact to me. That stuff's fascinating. Like just thinking like, 
because I all I saw was the end result every month. And, you know, to me, even, you know, typos and all or whatever, like it was still polished, right? There was, because, you know, like I, if there was a typo, well, there's a typo in the, you know, there's way more typos in the paper I turned into my teacher last week. So, you know, for me, I'm like, I'm grading on a curve. And so y'all mm-hmm. can way better than I was, <laughs> but you know, the, the creativity and in, in the, the, like what those magazines I think brought out in this generation. Plus, yeah, it's the time too, right? Everything was bright and big and, you know, like New. fluorescent yeah. and roller skating and everything was bright and big then. But, you know, yeah, I think the timing of it, because, you know, we had to have that patience. It's not like now where, you know, you open Instagram and there's a new reel from someone in the UK. And then I'll wake up tomorrow morning and there's a new reel from somebody in, in Los Angeles. And so, you know, it's, it never stops. I mean, thinking about like the, the waxing of boards and then putting that stuff up there, um, you know, what was it, what was it like watching or just being in that industry, especially at that magazine during the technology change? And then there was also kind of that, that the, the industry kind of siloed into BMX and freestyle. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I was, from the racing side more. Um, but I was also there when, when they fired up, up freestyling, you know, and we would have more and more uh, freestyle stuff in BMX action. And it, it was cool. Cause you know, at one point I was roommates with RL over there. Um, yeah. So, you know, while he was, you know, he had a million and one sponsors and, uh, you know, it's really taking off. We had a symposium at uh, BMX Action for, hey, here's what freestyle is, you know, and invited all the manufacturers in. And then here's what it is. Here's what the, the equipment is. Here's, you know, what you need to look at. It, it was pretty funny. So, but, it, you know, it was just, it was something that, heart, you know, you put your heart and soul into all the time. And, Cause we were all, we were always coming up with concepts for how we wanted to, you know, do the story. What's the intro photo going to be? What's the, you know, the tone of the text, what's the, you know, big spread photos. What are, you know, what, how are we going to build this thing out? So, and even just figuring out the table of contents every month, you know, it was, it, it was a challenge and you're always trying to one up yourself. Yeah. I couldn't, I can't imagine the pressure you would feel doing stuff like that, especially like, you know, you've got, I don't know, Stu jumping a, a Porsche, right? And then you're like, what like what do we have him jump now? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, for that one, I I drove with Oz. We towed the ramp, you know, drug the ramps out there. We had three or four sketchy wood ramps and you know, we're trying to adjust the angle of this thing. And it's it's funny because I've seen in photos of that one in particular. Um I remember just on the edge of the leading edge of the first car. It was like a dust track, <laughs> you know, of, of, uh, I think he had comp threes on there. Yeah. Okay. We need to adjust this just a little bit. Right. But, um, you know, it, it was kind of that fine and, uh, but sketchy ramps and yeah. Awesome photos. Yeah. Amazing. Just, Amazing memories to be like, I was there, you know what I mean? And and say like, I I was there and and, uh, I remember what that was like. I remember, you know, 
the things well, those, the things that like blows us, I think that stuff blows us all away as fans, right? Just to be like, yeah, there was a kid that was there too. It wasn't just like Oz, like there was a fan there too. That's what makes it so much cooler to hear your 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 side of it, you know? Yeah. Well, it, you know, that's that was a lot of the stuff that I used to set up back in the day. Those um remember the flaming hoop? The, oh yeah, yeah. I, so we we'd set that up out in front of the the office at uh Wizard and wrap it up in gauze and soak it in lighter fluid or gas or whatever we were using. And, you know, now it seems like such a terrible idea, <laughs> but back then we were just sending it. You know? Dude, <laughs> it's pretty funny. I feel like everything at wizard was just a, what, you know, like, what if, you know what I mean? I, I really feel like, like in, in, for you younger kids, man, I would say like, if you were to work at, Mythbusters is probably what the Mythbusters of, but put that in BMX terms where it's like instead of like all the gadget like gasmos and <laughs> gasmos, all the trinkets and gizmos that Adam Savage has, Steve and everybody has that at, at their warehouse, and they're like, "Hey, do you think you could jump through this hoop?" I don't know. Yeah, let's try it. You know, and, and everything was just yes. I mean. Everything from the club homeboy chopped car where like they chopped a station wagon or whatever that car was. And, you know, there's 118 people sitting in the back of that thing driving down the driving down the road. You know what I mean? And and yeah. you see stuff like that and you're like, you got like <laughs> you enabled that. You know what I mean? Like you 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 let us live that life. You know what I mean? And trust me, we were doing that same kind of stuff in Stockton and in. Des Moines, Iowa, and oh, absolutely, you know, Hobo- there was Hoboken, New Jersey. You know what I mean? Yeah, there were hot spots all over the place. It was cool because it it was kind of a like a creative hub, um, especially when you know we launched Freestyle back or Freestyle and Magazine. You know, and then you had Andy and Lou and Spike, and um, you know, it, it was like the two different camps. I think the BMX action side was probably a little more heavy metal, and if you wanted. Um, you know, Bauhaus and Duran Duran and, and, uh, the, the cure. cure, you know? Yeah. yeah, exactly. That would, that would be more the freestyling guys. What was, what were the but, conversations like when that, when that happened? Did like, do you remember the first conversation? Like, Hey, we might do another magazine. Uh, not specifically, but it, it was, you know, it, the plan was there. Um, and just, you could feel the energy building up too. Um, I went up to San Francisco right before Oz went up to do the photo shoot with the curb dog guys and, um, or go to the golden gate park. And it was a lot of the curb dogs. And when I was up there, I saw those guys and the kind of street influence that they had going on. And I came back and told them, however much film you're planning on taking double it. Cause you're going to need it. There, there was a lot going on up there. Yeah. So it, you know, it was, it was cool to, to see that going on. And then the way we worked, you know, I, I think we would stay there till two in the morning, some nights and come in at noon the next day and, you know, kind of start all over again. So, right. <laughs> um, you know, go collapse for a few hours and then come back and, and just get fired up and, and figure out what's next. Yeah. The deadline doesn't change. Just you, you do the work when you do the work, right? Yeah. Um, and there were deadlines. So yeah, you had to be on it, but, um, trying to schedule photo shoots, you know, these days it it would be a text, 
you know, probably handled all by a text. And back then it's photo shoots and, you know, you had to figure out how to get there and get everybody to the same place at the same time without GPS. And, you know, dude, I can't even imagine. (laughs) It was pretty funny. It's a lot of Thomas guides and yeah. yeah. Now I'm making myself sound really old. No, dude, not, I do. Cause to put it in perspective, I mean, you got to think like, let's say you want to do a photo shoot. Hi, is Scotty there? Like, you know, I'm, 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 yes, I'm a grown up, but I need to talk to your 14 year old son, Scotty Freeman, about setting up a freestyle shoot. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and, and like, I, I look back at it and I think <laughs> trying to talk to my, my kids that are 16 and the amount of like words that they vocalize in a day, which is none. So mm-hmm. I can't imagine getting, like, if you would have got me on the phone, hi, hey, we need, we need to do a photo shoot. Okay. <laughs> you know, like you would yeah. have to guide Typic- me through that whole thing. I, I will say, typically, if you called from BMXA and you wanted to do a photo shoot, there there was a full buy-in from everybody. You know, sometimes it might you might have to do it through their sponsor or something like that. And, you know, right. yes, yes, we're doing that. You know, right? <laughs> it kind of wasn't that big an issue. I love that, dude. Um, let me. I, I want to ask you kind of about like the different like places because you you uh what you live the memory that i had because i i only saw the stockton fairgrounds bmx that's the only racetrack i ever saw until i moved to arizona and now i've I've got the world famous chandler bmx like 10 minutes from my house you know what i mean and Mm -hmm. um and that you know it's a it's just that's a historic track too but i mean for me it was like my first BMX track was in Lodi and I'm, it was like what you described where I'm pretty sure it was just a dude that probably didn't even own the the land on it, um, mm-hmm. scraped up a track and it, he would just charge people five bucks. I don't think there was even an association. It was just like, you know, and, and he kept the points in his head or something, you know, it was just like one of those spots, but it was rad. It was, it served its purpose, man. I felt BMX. Yeah. Um, and then going to Stockton fairgrounds, um that was like big leagues right because that was an aba track and that was it was such a big deal nationals would show up there um what were some of your favorite places to to shoot into to visit Ooh, um i mean chandler was kind of always a a big one every year but um and any of the the nationals back in the day um rancho you know I, i was lucky to be around while there were some fairly nutty tracks around. Right. Um, right. You know, Rancho was, was fun. Cause it was kind of a crazy track where it was a little bit like a bowling ball. So it's really flat on the top. And then once you get going into the first turn, it's really starting to pick up speed and momentum. Uh, I remember going to a race there where uh, it was Cosmala and Kenny Nachman and on the side hack and Kenny's <laughs> screaming like a little girl turn cause turn you know cuz <laughs> that turns that turns coming up fast and he's pretty sure they're not going to make it so right and or he's side not. hacks to me yeah and side hacks to me were still like the worst idea ever yeah um i mean as a kid i i cut off a back half of a bike got some plumbing pipe, had a friend of mine weld one together. And of course we take it to the biggest hill we can find in Riverside, which was Mount Rubido. And that there's a paved road that goes up and, and back down. 
so I talk a friend into mine or talk a friend of mine into being the monkey and we've got like zero practice time on this thing <laughs> and made uh, in voyage. <laughs> yeah. So we get like halfway down the hill, come around this one corner and there's a really big rock on the outside and a cliff on the other side of that. And uh, he leans way out. Well, it picks up the back tire, you know, so all, and it's coaster brake. So all of a sudden there's no brakes and we smash that thing. And, caved in the front end and uh, <laughs> cartwheeled, but luckily didn't go over the cliff. So, right. you know, we did a, we did a lot of dumb stuff back then. Insert jackass theme music right now. Yeah, pretty much. Dude, that's rad. Um, I, I, I love, I love those like downhill, like, like dirty fest this year had a downhill track and, uh, and barely a berm at all. Really. It was just like a skid. Yeah. You know, you're asking about favorite place to shoot. Sometimes it was just like word of mouth, you know, Hey, there's some new jumps over here. You know, there were, there were a few fairly well-known just like spots to go shoot, you know, bike tests or things like that, or, or we'd go to a track or, you know, a lot of it kind of was word of mouth, I think. Yeah. there's always those like session spots like that where you're like, Hey, a friend of a friend of a friend, you know, like mm-hmm. growing up in NorCal was like that with like uh Magoo, someone, someone, not Magoo, uh, Gork. Somebody was like, Hey dude, I know, I know where the Gork trick team parks their ramp. It's, it's, I think it's his aunt's house or something. And dude, mm-hmm. it was like neighborhood legend. Like people, so, like three, you were three people removed from Gork at that point. You were just like, I've made it. You know what I mean? Here we are. But like yep. those local neighborhood spots like that, like the, you know, oh, there's some jumps over here because they're building some apartments, you know, and they've, they, you know, dug everything up and it just made this perfect like jump track, you know, was, that would be fun. Um, yeah. And, and then sometimes in the spring it gets knocked down because they're trying to get the weeds back down and, right, yeah. you know, you start all over again too. Did Like y- y'all did a really good job of like covering local scenes too. I, I really felt like, you know, that you like, Living in NorCal, I remember the I remember the freestyling uh, where where everyone came up. Um, but like for me, I think when I look back at like BMX action before freestyling, that's when it was because like back then your bike was just your bike. I didn't I wasn't a freestyler. I just rode bikes. I didn't have a label to it. I didn't have anything like I rode a, a BMX bike right with pegs and you know, maybe I could do a tail whip or an endo or something like that. But, you know, wherever the day took you, the day took you, maybe you went to Stockton, you rode, you know, two hours to Stockton uh, fairgrounds, or, you know, you rode two hours to Galt because you heard about a half pipe that some skateboard kid had. And, you know, he knew somebody from somebody and you could ride the ramp. Um, Y'all did a great job of like covering that stuff. What was that like finding that like in the Midwest? when you would be out doing stuff like that, because, you know, I feel like you covered everything. Yeah. I remember a, a time where I think it was somewhere near or somewhere in Illinois. And these guys had these metal, like uh, it was just pipes and they were kind of flexy. And uh, <laughs> I don't know how we got in touch with those guys. Uh, if they had sent photos in and said, Hey, come out and check out our scene. Or, or if we'd heard about it while we were out there covering a race, something like that. But it, oftentimes there would it 
be like a side thing to traveling somewhere for the weekend uh, for a race. And then you find these other little things going on, you know, jumping spots or, or like those, um, you know, the metal ramps. Yeah. And uh, it, it, you know, it, some of it was planned. Some of it was happenstance, I would think. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, it, just that kind of energy, you know, people would come up and talk to Oz that races all the time. And that's how I ended up originally, you know, starting to, uh, you know, do some contributing for him. I, at, back in the day, there were some aluminum stems uh, that were, seemed like a great idea at the time. And, you know, it, it, this is full aluminum, but it was still single wide on the, you know, clamping area on the bar. And um, I think I took one of those, Bennett and then decided, well, I'm going to repurpose this thing and build myself a seat post clamp because it actually fit on the seat tube. And <laughs> it was probably one of the, the first aluminum seat post clamps. And then after shortly after that, you know, we started seeing all the normal ones that you would see today, you know, right. expe- expect to see. But back then it was, you know, hey, stamped steel is good enough. Right. Yeah, that, that's, that's perfectly fine. It'll work. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I would I would come up with little creative things like that, and that that's how I ended up talking to Oz, and he's like, "Well, hey, write some up on that." So, you know, it, he he was a bit of a beacon at the races for for things like that. So, right, you know, I I don't know how he shot half the photos he did because he's talking to manufacturers and riders and you know wacky kids like me. So, <laughs> I love that. What yeah. what uh, like so so when you're 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 moving on in your career and so at this point like the magazines have split um was there what did you ever feel competition with freestyling or was there did the did was there competition with that or was it just with or and also like with plus did you feel like there was like huge rivalry with plus i've heard there was but yeah I don't know what, i've only heard one side of it you know what i mean i don't know well i i it used to just bother Oz to no end that you know plus was even around i think so <laughs> but um you know i think some of the numbers that they would claim for circulation he's going there's no way they're doing that there's no way to doing that you know right we had pretty good circulation at the time i don't remember what the numbers were but you know you were kind of like yeah i don't know how how they're claiming what they do but they were in an awful lot of liquor stores and places that we wouldn't be. I think we had kind of some of the better newsstand locations, but right. they were in, they were in a, you know, it might not have been the, the nicest place, but you know, they were, they were definitely out there in a lot of <laughs> other places. So, right, 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 right. And, uh, you know, I, I, I never like John card. We've, we've always gotten along great. And, you know, the people that work for the magazine or the, respective magazines uh it, it's all well and good and then was there competition with freestyling not not really it's like i don't know brothers you kind of want to outdo each other but um you know you, you also you're going to defend them and wish the best for them and all that too at sure. the same time sure uh what was it what was it like then like at the later years for you um got a little weird for me uh you know advertising got to be uh, such a huge deal 
Um, I think Oz felt like there was, it was going to be like the the motocross industry where it had gone from a bunch of different manufacturers down to a, a small handful. And at one point he pitched with uh, a bunch of the manufacturer or it was a four or five. Um, hey, if you advertise this amount per issue, you guys will, and it was promised to him, you guys will get the dominant editorial coverage. So, you know, I, I've I've heard him say in the past that we took care of the advertisers. Maybe it was a little more than that. Right. But um, the first issue comes out after this plan gets started. And um, there was a lot of one manufacturer. The next issue comes out. There's a lot of another manufacturer. You know, I'm the editor at that point, And all of a sudden, guess whose fault it is? It's mine. Right. So, which... You know, and and at one point he told me, hey, I'd like to think you didn't do this on purpose. Which, I mean, for somebody that, that put heart and soul into that magazine and everything else, you know, that, that stung. So um, probably not long after that, I, uh, it was time to, you know, I decided it was time to depart. Right. And um, went over to Breadline, actually and worked there for about a minute and a half as their team manager. It it was kind of interesting to see how, um, you know, how the other half lives over there. Right. uh, You know, to be on the manufacturer side. So that was kind of interesting. Well, like, yeah. Tell me more about that. Like what the capacity you were at at Redline coming from, I get like, I, I feel like you would have such a great insight into the industry. And then now you're you're working in in one specific brand's part of the industry. What was it like seeing that window into like, oh, this is what it's like? It was kind of funny because at one point I I felt like the tail was wagging the dog a little bit. You know, we we would call team managers and say, "Hey, what races do you, are you guys going to coming up?" And they'd say, "No, no, we want to know what races you're going to." <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, wait a second, you know, that that's not how it's supposed to work. And uh, so it, it was, it was odd, you know, everybody wanted the coverage. So they right. would, sometimes we would choose poorly and go to maybe not the best races. And then the next day they're flying to some other race um, somewhere else to to go, you know, where <laughs> they really wanted to be. Right. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, it, it was, uh, it was definitely different. And uh, while I was at Redline, it was it was interesting because I think it showed up in Rad in about one second long clip, but I I had Scott Clark drive the uh, Redline motorhome up there, and you know they're doing the parade through the town, and uh, yeah, I think it's it shows up for about exactly one second in there, so it, that was a. Uh, interesting thing to to call one of your riders and tell them, hey, I want you to do this really long drive in a motorhome. Right. And uh, at the time, I don't think he was too stoked on it. Now he's probably probably okay with it. Right. Yeah. To have been involved in something like that. So <laughs> that's great. Like when you when you think about like I would I'm going to pose this question for both. Um, like if you look back, is there anything you would do? Like you would, if I like, Hey, could I take this back? Could I do something differently? What would you do differently about your departure from BMXA? Um, and then maybe like Redline as well. Um, 
Redline was actually okay because I I ended up going to work at Super BMX, which and when I was working at at Redline, I was driving from Torrance to Camarillo five days a week, which that is not a short drive even back then when traffic was a lot better. No, uh, dude, that's you know, far. That, you it, guys, that's that's a far drive, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Without traffic, that's far. It it was like hour and a half, two hours, I think, each way every day. So um it, that one kind of wasn't gonna be a long term deal anyway. So um <laughs> would man, could I have been more mature when I was working at, at uh BMX action? Sure. Uh, could I have you were a kid not, though <laughs> yeah and I had long hair and I was scruffy and you know I was straight out of Riverside so right uh, um you know could I have cleaned up my act a little bit could I have been more professional sure but I you know I knew what I knew at that point so right um yeah I would I would love to say that yeah I could have been smarter about it or you know but, but I back then I was making I think the princely sum of maybe 24 grand a year and thinking this is as good as it gets. Right. So, we have arrived. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm like, how, if I leave here, how am I ever going to replace this? Right. Uh, yeah. I, it worked out. Okay. So, <laughs> right. yeah. That's, yeah. that's a great life lesson. I hope if you don't take anything away from anything that you've heard tonight, <laughs> it's that like, you're going to be all right. Life pivots yeah. and you're going to be all right. Well, when I went to work at Super, it, it, you know, it was a little bit on the cheesy side. Uh, you know, when they had their uh, models and actors and actresses, you know, you know, you'd have Ron House posing with them in a studio shot, and it, it was a little bit like Tiger Beat. And I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I think uh, you know, brought some more. It changed it up a little bit and got rid of a lot of that and. Right. Made it more of a, a serious magazine, um, and then at that point we were doing we had Freestyle magazine, which originally Freestyle was supposed to be called Freestyle, and then Challenge Publications had already previously used that title, so they had to switch it to Freestyle, which is oh no way, pretty funny, yeah, yeah. Um, but we were doing Freestyle and Super, and about every three weeks had a complete issue due. So <laughs> we, we were just cranking those things out. That was kind of a high speed, high speed treadmill over there. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, when I think we had a, a test that DT objected to and where, uh, you know, we had Rich Bartlett as a test rider who was rich is not a small dude. Right. And, and crushed that thing, you know, I it I don't think it did well and I don't you know it wasn't one of their high end bikes it was like probably a half and half mild steel chromoly thing and right yeah oops oops it bent and right you know they they were not very happy and I think they pulled some advertising and probably about that point you know things were tightening up in the industry anyway yeah and they they closed it down and yeah. uh, all of a sudden I'm working for Mountain Biking Magazine instead of Super BMX so that was that was another hard career change. How hard? I mean, how hard was that? Did like, I always wondered how like how honest those reviews were, and like how because you would see someone doing something. Let's say like on a a, a I'm going to say brands like this that I remember. So let's say a wind styler, right? Like you knew that was kind of down the row. 
or a street styler, not a street beat, you know, and you'd see someone doing some big air on like the mid to lower tier bikes. And you're like, how did they even live that land? How did they survive that landing? Um, they, were, they were, they were, uh, I would say you had to be kind to them on occasion, but if the guy lands really smoothly, you don't, <laughs> you, you could get away with a lot, but if you flat bottom something, you, things could go wrong in a hurry, but right. you, you had a lot of manufacturers back then that had really high end product. And all of a sudden it's a race to the bottom, you know, Hey, we're going to make our 199 version of, you know, what our pro series bike is. And, you know, hopefully it lives. Okay. You know, it looks like the the real one, but you right. know, everybody, everybody kind of knows that it's, that it's not the same thing. Right. But, uh, and, but I mean, you had Hutch, GT, Haro, you know, everybody was kind of racing to the bottom. So here's our, you know, 150 model, you know, right. I don't, I, I get that they would want to do that, but man, it, it, I don't think it helped the industry at all. Um, there were some weird you know, things it, that got tested. You know what I mean? Like those, yeah. like remember the gravity, the gravity propelled the GPV bikes. Like, yeah, uh, that I was, <laughs> I'll be honest. I was never a huge fan of that. Cause that there was a lot of terrible idea going on. Um, dude, I, I, you know, I mean, really the, the brakes were not made for it. You know, no, God, is, no, with, I didn't even think about the brakes. This is with caliper brakes. This yeah. isn't, this isn't even V brakes or discs or something like that. You can just melt these things melt down. Them. Yeah. <laughs> those tire, those tires were not made for the speeds that they were going. Right. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, that's kind of the thing where you, you'd shoot, but you're looking between your fingers, you know, right. I'm having, I'm having flashbacks to my mom, you know, as a RN in an emergency room going, this is not a good idea. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. When kids are sitting around going, man, if 80s kids are sitting around going, this looks sketchy. You know what I mean? Like at that point, that's a and, good barometer. <laughs> yeah. And you, you had uh, some fairly talented guys out there. Okay. Maybe the guys that aren't so talented, you know, you'd worry about those guys. And then like that tramway race where I think they actually passed the motorcycle that is trying to film them you know, where there's a guy sitting backwards on that thing. Right. And, you know, okay, now who's going to, who's going to let off in the next corner, you know, the, the TV guy that needs his shot or the rider, (laughs) you know, that doesn't want to get passed by everybody else. Right. It's just scary stuff. Dude. I, I just remember thinking like, I, that was just a movement I couldn't get behind. Like I wasn't, I didn't have enough money to have an extra bike to turn upside down and put a fairing on. Like, and it, it to me like I there there's no like there's thrill, but the, it wasn't BMX. To me, it wasn't BMX, and I was just like so confused by as a kid just being like, oh, it's one of those. It's that's the issue this month. It's the well, month. yeah, and it. I mean, we were getting spinoffs of spinoffs. There was that the scooters, the you know the oh dude scooter scooters, scooter yeah. thing went nuts for a minute. Oh, this- so. The scooters, I remember scooters, but I remember having a lot of stupid fun on those scooters because, like, you know, someone would put pe- like mongoose or somebody put pegs on one, and you're like, "Oh, I can, st- I can." As a kid, I can stand over the top tube on the pegs and, and do hops. You know, like I was mm-hmm. like stupid. I think I learned decades on a on a scooter because you're like, "Well, this ain't that scary," and so yeah, you know, 
Yeah. And I think one time there was a scooter with a, a skateboard truck on the back and skateboard wheels and, you know, just like I said, spinoffs of spinoffs. So. Oh, I'm sure. dude. Yeah. I, it, I remember some of those gimmicky ads, you know? Yeah. But it was, you know, everybody was kind of looking for, Hey, what's the next hot thing and where do we go from here? And, you know, it, it got, you know, it went from very innocent and, you know, just organic to it got a little weird about the time I, I got out of it. So. Yeah. It, it like, I, I can only, the only experience I have, I have a picture of it too. It's kind of funny, like talking about like how quickly things were moving and, um, I have a picture from Interbike when I was there with MCS. And I remember I had an ACS doubler, which was a gimmicky kind of a sign. It worked, but not great. And it was supposed to like you put a pulley on your front brake and it basically doubled the the stopping power on your front brake, especially when you had like a a, a POTS mod. And so I, I remember I was like, oh, I'll try that. You know, I saw it in a magazine. And I'm at Interbike. And I'm just sitting at the jam circle and some dudes that like they didn't speak English came over and were just like pointing at it, getting all up on my bike, taking pictures of it. And I'm like, well, ACS, that's knockoff now, you know, and it's it's you're just like now I'm going to see 12 different versions of an ACS doubler. Um, Yeah. But that's that's what it was, right? Yeah. You'd go to the bike shows and there would always be people shooting stuff in booths and, uh, you know, the manufacturers would try and chase them out. but. Uh, yeah, Ty- Taiwanese uh, manufacturing. You know, the cat was out of the bag at that point. So. Yeah, like you had to, you had to have it like production and have like a thousand frames ready to go, or else you know you might find your, yeah. your ideas. Well, and your your uh, intellectual property, you know, your patents all buttoned up and everything else too. Right. So, yeah, yeah. Do you do you have and like- and, and be ready to defend it? <laughs> And right, spend the yeah. time and money and money and energy doing that. So yeah, I think that's because <laughs> it did. It seemed like there was a like an. Or, it, you're right. The way you describe it, like an organic. Like I started seeing parts and things like that. A lot of it engineered, thought thought through, and then all of a sudden it just seemed like there was ads for skate half skateboard, half scooter, bike. You know what I mean? Like there was all kinds of wacky. You know, oh, just weld a bar on it and show a kid on it and it's a freestyle bike now right just Stand, standing platform and pegs everywhere and right some of it useful some of it not so yeah you see some of that stuff i remember just thinking like what in the you does someone stand there what do you do like we just made How a whole bike make use of that yeah, yeah. <laughs> right um so i like i want to kind of move to after you move to out of the freestyle and then you moved into the mountain biking world um what was that transition like for you? So, like photography, was there, it seems like it would be a pretty close match. And a lot of the BMX guys were moving over there too, at the same time, I feel like. Yeah. Um, you know, Eric Carter, Dave Cullinan, actually John Tomac was probably one of the early adopters. Right. Um, so, you know, it, there, it, there was some familiarity to it. Some of the, some of the BMX guys didn't show up till later on, you know, when things maybe got a little worse. Uh, back in the day right but um you know it was a it was a transition time for those guys too so right but it, you know to me it, mountain biking always felt like hey it's a mix of dirt it's got two wheels it's 
got a sort of a moto element to it, especially once they're doing dual slalom and, and downhill. Right. Um, you know, it, it felt very, you know, normal, normal to me. And I think I was able to bring a lot of the, that action style stuff from, from BMX action and, and the, the sport at, at that time over to the, the mountain bike side where, you know, it was, it, it brought new energy too. Cause, um, I mean, it went from the clunkers to, you know, they're, they were advancing. Uh, there was a lot of energy there and right. a lot of in- innovation. So, I mean, it was a really fun time to be involved in that. Yeah, um, sure. You know, go, go to inner bike and Paul Turner from rock shock says, Hey, take my bike and go ride it at that curb or ride it into that curb. And we're like, no, that's going to hurt. He's going, just do it. Yeah. So it it was pretty cool being involved in stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I remember the first time I saw a pair of like shocks on a, on a pedal bike before, like I, real shocks, like something that's mm-hmm. like substantial, not just a, not just a strut, you know, that someone welded on in someone's, you know, garage, but like an actual right. rock shock or something like that. Um, so nowadays you've got, you've got your online store. Cause I want to talk, I'm dying to talk about your store and your photos because like, that's where I'm at now is like, dude, I just want to look through all your photos and and see the photos that you've got. And following you on Facebook, there's always like new crate, like crazy things that you're posting up there that I've never seen. Um, it's funny. I've, people have been going, Hey, I love this. I've never seen this before. Well, I've had these photos stored in the cellar for 40 years. So, you know, th- they've been carefully aging down there. Right. You know, right. some, some of them were things that, that ran in magazines, you know, like when I was working at super back in the day, um, some of that stuff came home with me, uh, at the end, you know, when we closed it up, um, probably left tons more there still, uh, same type thing, you know, at BMXA, when I left there, all those photos stayed there. And then, you know, they went into the, the dumpster at the, you know, when that closed down. Oh, so man. yeah, that's, a that kind of stuff is a little bit painful, but, um, you know, it's fun to be able to dig some of these things up, you know, after BMX and mountain bikes, I spent a good 20 years shooting supercross and motocross. So, um, I'm, I was tired of looking at that stuff and, you know, just decided to go back and, and revisit some of the old things and, you know, dig it out of the garage and, and, uh, yeah, a certain percent of it has, or certain percentage has never been seen. So people, people trip out on, on that kind of stuff. You know, the, the jam circle photo that you're talking about, um, you know, you'd asked me a while back, Hey, do you have any photos of me from back in the day? Uh, Not that I can think of. And then I think I immediately pulled up to where you're uh, in the background or. Right. You're like, I think this is you right here. I'm like, that's absolutely (laughs) me, dude. All you guys here, I'll share, I'll share it. Hold on one sec. First I'll, I'll, let me make this big. All right, so here we go. This is the Jam Circle at Interbike. Uh, Mark McKee right here. You will notice right over on the right-hand side, if you look, you will see your friend Isaac sitting right here looking at Chris Day 
my favorite writer there, absolutely intimidated by everybody else that you can see um, in the photo. So I'm, I'm, I'm super disappointed though. You don't have them nearly the mullet that these other guys do. I, everybody had long hair. Every single person <laughs> had a mullet and apparently I didn't have any vision or life's a beach. You shouldn't have showed up if you didn't have a life's a beach clearly. <laughs> um, or yeah, the it looks like shirt. it looks like half the Vision Streetwear warehouse just blew up. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dude, what it, I mean, and what's funny is like you guys, if I tell you every memory I have is over here. I've told the story. Grosso was here, and Grosso came over and was talking to me, like, hey, dude, um, don't be intimidated by all these these knuckleheads or something, you know. And I was I was scared to death, you guys, because here I am with like people from the magazines, and I'm just like the kid from Lodi. So uh, absolutely amazing to see this photo. And where can we find all of the photo? Like not all of, but like, where, where are you putting these up where people can purchase them? Cause that's what I, I, I bought the Pete Augustine one. Yeah. And that Pete Augustine shot was actually that same weekend. Uh, oh, we no just way. hiked, we just hiked away from the, the, uh, sports arena down there or, uh, Long Beach arena to, you know, we're over closer to the shoreline a little bit. Oh man, so, that's amazing! Yeah, that's great. You you might act you might actually see it in the background on that shot. Um, if you Guy Bimoto is my Instagram account, um, I I post up a lot of the same shots that I, you know, I'll I'll post up a lot of stuff there first, and then, um, the other places Steve Guyberson dot smug dug or <laughs> smug mug Steve Guyberson dot smug mug dot com. I'll put and it up on the screen. You're good. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, there I, I try and clean up as many of the dust spots and scratches and, you know, the, the most of these slides have aged pretty well, but, uh, you know, you, you have to work pretty hard to get them all spot free and, right, and, right. you know, color corrected and, um, cleaned up. So, uh, you know, I've got some hours invested into it, but, you know, and I'm, I'm curious to see if if people are interested in you know purchasing prints or actually i think you could go there and get a coffee mug with you know a photo you like on there uh, yeah i think there's a variety of different products that they have available um so it's been a, a work in progress and kind of an experiment and when i'm done with bmx and you know, it, actually, you, you could go there now. There's a little bit of motocross stuff in there. I've got 20 years of motocross stuff I'll start working on. Right. Um, but, it, you know, I, it to me, it feels a little bit better to work on it kind of chronologically. Um, you know, I don't know if there's ever a book in the works or not. I, I, you know, I've had quite a few people ask for it. I don't know if that's something that I want to dive into. Um, you know, and even as as I would be working on it, it would be, Man, there's. I'd love to have these photos in it, but they don't exist anymore, or right. they've gotten scattered to the wind somewhere along the way, or you know, who who knows where they've gone. Um, later in in later years, it was hard drive failures. You know, right. you might lose a whole you might lose a whole year of photos. Oh, I and can't even that, imagine. That's yeah. you know, I should have backups for backups, but um, I don't know, peeped out on some hard drives, I guess. So I. I really like anything that, that I can do to 
peer pressure you into a book, I will absolutely do. And y'all go find him on Instagram, send him a message. If you think you would, if you would be interested in a book, because I like, I think we talked about this. We talked about this a little bit earlier. The, the nostalgia part of BMX is I can't always get away from my work from home, zoom meetings, back to back and typing away and just feeling like I'm in the matrix, uh, you know, for, for eight hours a day with this, this new environment that we're living in with, you know, post pandemic. And if I can break away for 10 minutes, eat, eat something, but just kind of look through and just look at this picture and just think, man, how simple things were, uh, pictures I haven't seen. And just the, the innocence and the, the just joy and creativity that we were all experiencing collectively as a group worldwide from these magazines and these photos. Um, dude, I really hope that you decide to take that on. I mean, I, I can't even imagine what, what goes into that and the, the perfectionism of like, I want this perfect photo, but it's a, you know, an 80 year old slide. I know how hard that is. That that's just takes forever. But from a fan's perspective and just someone that that hungers for that stuff, um, it is we we don't have we didn't like it's not like Instagram or even video where everything was recorded. We just have your photos and what you remember from that day. You know, oh was, yeah, that photo mm-hmm. was uh, you know, that was at Interbike. You know, I that's a story behind that photo that I didn't know until we talked. Um mm-hmm. So that that brings these photos to life, and we really don't have anybody that's that's a historian like that. We, you know, God bless poor boy Steve for for you know trying to collect all the magazines and and try and distribute them out and make them available to people. But you know that's one person, and as soon as he gets burned out, dude, we're all done. We're back to trying to find issues on on eBay. You know, like yeah, he actually purchased a whole bunch from me. Oh, did he so, really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I sold I sold all my old magazines a while back. So, oh man, um, yeah, you know I had them for years. I I still have a few with with special things like photos that I would have been in or or uh, you know <laughs> either bike tests or right. racing, you know things like that. Did you or, keep anything from back then, like jerseys or anything? No, the memorabilia is long gone. You know all yeah. my all the SE stuff or, or, uh, you know, Malcolm Smith gear that I would have had. Right. But, you know, I, I think the smug mug thing to me is like a, a first step, uh, you know, Hey, I'll try this out and see how it goes. And right. I, I don't know about doing a whole book. I, you know, I, I've, I've had people ask and, um, probably people that are a lot smarter than me. So, right. <laughs> Well, um, I like I like that your answer is not a straight up no. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, do I do one just for BMX and freestyle? Do I do one, you know, whole career with, you know, because that's a, a whole lot bigger picture with twenty years of of uh, Supercross and motocross. So, uh, I would do a series. You know, to be honest with you, I would do a series, man. If you, if you can stomach it, the the time. I mean, I the time. It's the time to do it all, but you. The thing about you have ravenous fans in freestyle and BMX, and then you've got fans from mountain biking, and then you're going to have 20 years of, of Supercross stuff. I mean, yes. that's that's people that want to see those photos and show their kids 
hey, you know, like, look at look at mom and dad back in 1990 something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's it, amazing it, stuff. It, it would be a lot of heavy lifting to do it all in one. So, yeah, I, that's, uh, I hope I hope you do. But even if we just like these pictures, like the picture of Pete Gusson, like I get to have a moment because there's there's an eight by ten photo of Pete Gusson on my wall, just like there was when I was you know twelve. Um, this time it's framed instead of being stapled uh, in exactly and exactly knife cut out of my magazine. <laughs> there's not many places to get that kind of stuff anymore. Um, there's you know there's, there's not. I mean uh, maybe Greystoke. Uh, when a new issue comes out now. Yeah, I'm stoked about Greystoke. I got to tell you, I think they're doing a yeah. great job. And I, I've contributed to, you know, uh, when the Nike or Nike did that freestyling book and had Andy and Lou work on that. Um, yeah. I contributed some stuff to that. Uh, yeah. The birth, birth of the freestyle movement. I, I contributed some stuff to, you know, the various incarnations of that. <laughs> right. um, so, yeah. And, Sometimes that's where things get scattered. I think I, I actually, um, well, uh, Dom Phipps was the guy that did that book. And he sent, you know, I had to bug him a while back and, hey, can you send me back in anything that you've got? And then all of a sudden I've got some Jeff Carson photos that somebody else shot from back in the day. So <laughs> I, I need to return those to Dom. Right. If, if he's wondering where they're at, I, I think I know. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> but, it, you know, at, at this point, it's still it is kind of a lot of heavy lifting where, you know, I'm scanning slides individually, working on them individually. And, you know, so it, it's pretty time consuming. Once I get to the later years where it's all on hard drives, that's, you know, a, a little less work going on there. Right, so. right, right. Well, you guys, when you do buy a picture over off of his smug mug. Uh, they're going to offer you an, an option to upgrade the photo and print it on like a metallic type paper. I cannot, I cannot uh, encourage you to do that enough. Like when I opened up my picture, it's on like a, what, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I, I've seen the option for it, but I, I haven't seen what it looks or looks like other than you sent me a photo. Yeah. I, I, I I've tried to get captured in photos. I've tried to like, do this and show you the shine on it. Um, it it looks like it's printed on a piece of aluminum, just a, a real thin piece of aluminum. Um, but it's white, <laughs> but it just has like a metallic look to it. And it's, it is so impressive. Trust me, it will make the, it pops. It really, really pops. Um, yeah. I'm looking at it. That's why I keep looking to the left. It's sitting yeah. right there on my wall. To me, it sounds like kind of like a, a Ciba Chrome print from back in the day. It's got kind of a glow to it almost. It's kind of like that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a unique, it's a unique finish. I, I don't have any other, I have like chroma something. I I don't know. It's weird. It's a great looking photo. Definitely pay that extra. It's cheap. It's worth it. If you're going to, if you're going to go buy something to hang up in your house, spend an extra like three bucks to get the metallic print. Trust me. It's worth it. Um, yeah. Steve, thank you so much, man, for hanging out. Um, I, I can't oh, thank, thank you. you enough for, for the history lesson. Um, just sharing like what it was like to be there. Um, and most of all, just thanks for being a fan, you know, and, and being such a big part of like a collective kids that are now 50, um, you know, that, that grew up reading your stories, um, you know, inspired by your photos and all the, the crazy stresses you guys went through um, to get that magazine out so that I could 
ride my bike over to the the bookstore and grab a copy every every month and you know drink my mountain dews out front on the curb uh you know catching up with everybody three months later right um yeah no worries yeah it, it it's been fun to to go through all that stuff and and relive some of it and it's funny lately i've been going hey here's this guy i'm not sure who this is help me out here a little bit <laughs> right so, yeah i saw that the other day like help um, me identify so, this yeah sometimes there are times when i'm like i remember doing the shoot but and for whatever reason i can't remember the name of the guy or right you know, it's it's kind of funny so yeah maybe i'd better hurry up and get started on the book before all that stuff is out the oh, window dude. yeah trust me <laughs> But as a, as a fan and as a writer of BMX, dude, like we're just like we're stoked to see anybody. You know what I mean? Like it's a photo I haven't seen. I don't care if if I know who it is or not. If they're shredding, shred, bro. You're you yeah. are you know at that point you are the unknown racer. You're all of us. You're every kid uh, that that rode a track and tried to do a tabletop, and you know you're everybody. That's the beauty yeah. of that stuff. Like we all had that same experience. We all collectively experienced it either did it read about it obsessed about it built bikes to do it you know everybody tried, played tried, a part or tried to emulate what you see in any of those photos yeah yeah trying to figure out the sequences man i can't tell you how many times especially when like andy and lou would be like all artistic and maybe they'd go backwards or like make it do an s and you're like bro you understand i have no idea if he's going left <laughs> or right you understand that right but like, yeah it, it it needs a one at the beginning but yeah. I actually, that was one thing. Uh, I shot a very young Tony Hawk at uh, Del Mar Skate Park doing a 540. And uh, that ran in the first issue of Freestyling as a sequence. Yeah. And they had one of the photos flopped in the middle of the sequence. And you just kind of go, oh, oh no. <laughs> killing me. Yeah. But if you have a first issue of Freestyling and, and see that sequence, you'll. Uh, yeah. You'll know what I'm talking about, but yeah, just kind of crushing to, because <laughs> he did two or three of them. And I think I asked him to do one more and then I never saw him again. Yeah. So, He's like, yeah, yeah, cool, man. Cool story. Yeah. yeah cool story, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much for hanging out. Tune into our next episode, catch up on all of the big, ba- uh, the big bike BMX news. We'll talk to you guys soon. Take care, everybody. See you, Craig. Ba-ba-ba-ba.